0: This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Hello, and welcome to Buy Her Shelf. I'm your host, Erica Denise Hearns. If you've come to find more people worth following and books worth reading, you've come to the right place. Each episode, I'll introduce you to one new reader based on her or, on occasion, his shelf. If you're ready to add to your to-be-read pile, prepare to take notes. Good morning and welcome back to the 12 Books of Christmas series on the By Her Shelf podcast. Today is day 10 and I'm sharing a very special book with you. I lost the original recording of this episode, so if I seem a little bit out of sorts, that is why. But we're going to continue on and get through this recording. First, let me reiterate what I do with the 12 Books of Christmas, even though today is going to be just a little bit different. On the 12 Books of Christmas, I will tell you how I discovered book number 10, why I chose to read it, what I thought about it, who I would recommend it to, and give you some some bonus information. I told you yesterday that Book 10 is a book of poetry by an author you likely hadn't read, and that the reason that I chose it was that the poetry was on topics that were personal to me and the reason that this book is going to be a little bit different is because i can tell you how i discovered this book and i can tell you who i'd recommend it to but i'm not going to be able to tell you why i chose to i'm going to have to tell you why i chose to write it book number 10 is my Collection of poetry, a speaking season, poems and pieces. And I thought that I would start off this episode with a piece of one of the first poems in the collection entitled Genesis. Before I was psyched, I was sound. Bump, bump in the midst of the source. Without eyes or ears, my existence confirmed by a mere thump thump. My announcement to the world, I'm here. The picture's unclear, black, white, and blurred. I am tiny, but I am her. You know not by the round out that that out on the screen, but by the beat to let you see. The clip of divine needle leading me together in the womb. In stark contrast to the silence of I grew up in a world that was loud, music without words, a canvas you could paint any color, as long as you stayed inside the line where you could improvise, sure chords with hope. I wrote the poem Genesis for several reasons that will become clear as we talk a little bit more. About the speaking season. How I discovered the speaking season. Originally, as a young person, I grew up writing poetry. I wrote poetry for just about every school assembly or special occasion to open up uh, parent teacher you know, association meetings to open up like the black history program or the talent show or whatever event that we had as I went through school and somewhere in my mid 20s I lost it. I didn't write any poetry for almost 10 years and after having the roughest six months of my life at the end of 2016, I didn't think that poetry was gonna be anywhere in my life at all. But, as chance would have it, in late 2017, early 2018, I just started to write lines here and there, and then all of a sudden I had new poetry that actually seems like it was pretty decent. And so I discovered my gift of poetry again and decided to start writing this collection. And why I chose to write it. I've always been a fan of poetry and I've always wanted to release my own collection. It was always something that seemed inevitable but the reason that I chose to write it when I did and to publish it when I did, which was July of 2019, for the big is that I had some, something that I wanted to say, and I had a unique way I wanted to say it. I wanted to share poetry, but I wanted to do something that as a reader, I've always wanted. Poets to do. I had a class where we read Sylvia Plath. One of the things that I enjoyed the most about this class is listening to a recording of a rare radio appearance by Sylvia Plath, in which she reads some of her famous poems from Colossus. And she read things like Daddy and Ariel. And what I enjoyed was the small little introductions that she gave to the poems before she read them. I'm always fascinated to know the origin of poems, what sparked this idea that captivated me enough to write a poem. But I'm also interested in the meaning to the poet. Poetry is one of those arts that people automatically assume is just open for interpretation. It's what you think, it's not necessarily what the poet meant. But I'm a person who's interested in knowing what made you write this poem, this poem. What were you trying to convey? It may not be important to me, every reader of poetry. But when you have sat in your class and argued the meaning of a red wheelbarrow, then you just sometimes want to know, okay, what does this author actually mean? It doesn't matter that that's not how it's interpreted today in my opinion, but it is something I would like to know. So in this collection, I give you origin story, or how I came up with the idea, where I came up with the idea, why I decided to write a poem about it, but I also have a section called, But What Does It Really Mean?, where I share with you the meaning behind some of the poems that are in the collection. So you get the origins of all, and the deeper meaning of some. I wanted to sprinkle some poetry throughout this episode, so I'm going to read and explain a little bit about another poem. This poem is one of the age poems that I did For a few years, a few pivotal years, I have written a poem that is titled by the age that I was when I wrote the poem. And it sums up the feeling of that age for me and how it has played out in my life. I want to share the most recent one that I've written, which is 33. For reference, I'm 34 now and will be 35 in February, so if I write 34, I will write it before February 24th. 33, aka Revelation. This is your Jesus year, she declared when I said, I'm 33. And I agreed politely, but I don't know what she meant. At 33, we were both single, recently betrayed, and we went off by ourselves and prayed that he was more forgiving than me. Both our friends drew the swords to send us, and we said to put them down, but I didn't hear an ear or come anywhere near a crown of thorns or a bird. I felt mocked and scorned, beat up by life, spat upon, stripped of the things I've worn, felt as if I stood before men naked as the day I was born. The these offenses aren't literal, they're more like an allegory, and Jesus is more than a story I tell myself to get through today. I think she meant the other things, though. Like how the tomb became the wound that resurrected life, like the pain that pushed me into the dirt and broke my shell, only planted me where I'm supposed to grow. How on the third day the stone was rolled away and he arose and showed his disciples his wound so they knew it. Was him. Like how I keep having to reintroduce myself because people didn't expect the to see me breathe. Like how I have to show them my wounds to make them believe God didn't leave me where I fell. How Jesus rose with all power in his hand and is sitting on God's right so I could stand against anything he dealt with. The same power that raised him dwells in me and I can do all things. But he's sitting because his work is done, and while the race has already been won for me, I still have quite a few miles of my own to go. The story behind 33 is that I was talking to a cousin of mine we mentioned that 33 is my Jesus year. And we didn't really talk about what that meant or how to explain that. I know that people, what people usually mean. It's like when you step into who you really are. They're referring to the fact that at the age of 33, Jesus was crucified and rose again. And you know that's like the culmination of what he came to do. He's finally doing what he came to do. But I felt like my 33 was more like Jesus's 30, where you start to live and and do the things that you were created to do, but not fully realize at all. I'm just starting to do, but I feel like I'm supposed to do. And that was part of what I was working through and wrestling with in the year that I was 30. 30 years okay, so I'm still alive. I managed to feed and clothe and shelter myself with the help of the Lord. So I've got the basics now, but what am I actually here? What am I actually supposed to be doing? What do I feel passionate about and want to do all the time? That could actually make a difference to other people and continue to see me. And that was part of the reason why I think that I returned to poetry, is because I started to listen to myself and the things that I needed and wanted. What I think about the season, what I think about the collection rock. Um, <laughs> and that's not like a boast or anything. It is not just things about me specifically, um, like the poem 33 or the poem Jennifer. If we see the naked truth, we will avert our eyes, put a blanket on our shoulders, and walk backwards to cover it up. If we see the ugly truth, we will put makeup on it, shave its angles, give it more and If we are given the whole truth, we'll send it back and beg for skin, pepper scent, almonds, or soy. We have dietary restrictions, not to mention a documentary told us drinking milk from cows is unnatural. If we serve strong meat, whether well done or rare, we'll complain at once how a taste. We shouldn't know how death tastes. Our stomachs won't break down or digest it for days. If you bring us the bread of life, we'll ask if it's gluten-free. Our sensitivities mustn't be inflamed. Carbs turn to sugar, English. If you offer us the fruit of the vine, please ensure it's fermented wine, and it can't be too sweet or too dry. Nor one you pair with cheese, meat, or bread. We don't consume truth here, but we hardly starve. We substitute. We get milk and flour from nuts and our protein from greens, seeds, and legumes. We will live longer, fuller lives, more accommodated and wise. You, you should give it a try. We guarantee you won't lose the The reason that I wrote truth was because I was in the shower thinking about something that I'd heard on the news and thinking about the fact that people really don't like the truth. And also thinking many of the things that the Bible correlates to the word of God and truth are things that are no longer Part of our diets or things that we are supposed to avoid. And the way that we're supposed to avoid them lines up (laughs) with how we eat or deal with the truth. And so I dug into the back of my mind and into my Bible to find all the references that I could to. Things that are considered to be truth, and put them in this poem and show how we deal with the actual things. And hopefully the reader can see how it refers to how we deal with the truth, such as the whole truth We reference and milk and meat, and talking about bread, all of which. You know, you're not supposed to drink whole milk from cows anymore. Um isn't good for you. You could probably be vegetarian. And how bread, you know, has gluten and all these things. This is not to tell people not to be vegetarian or vegan or you should eat all the bread, but just an observation of how we think about things now. And I wanted to talk about how we substitute things for the truth that aren't really true in a way that people could access and understand and that showed what I was just seeing in the world around me. Who would I recommend this book to? If you're a fan of poetry, I would highly recommend it. I think it is a pretty good representation of my 30 plus years of observation. I have poems about general life. I have poems about telling the truth in love and about the truth of love. And I have poems that are more introspective I think that readers of poetry who are very attentive to and like sound devices will really enjoy this. There is a lot of slant or off rhyme. There is rhyming in between lines. There's alliteration. Lots of old imagery and in my estimation, a few one-liners that are pretty I also think those who just want a piece an author really should look at any poetry that they do. Poetry, to me, is extremely vulnerable and shows vibes to us that are not the most easily communicated. There are things that we want to say, but in general conversation or on the fly when we're presented with situations, we might not be able to say the way that we want to. And poetry, as one author famously said, is an explosion of emotion, recollected and tranquility for me. That would be the model of my poetry. So if you would like to see, The deeper thoughts that I have and that other poets have, then poetry is definitely the space where you will see that. And on that note, I would like to share a bit of a longer poem about something that I felt strongly about and didn't have the words to express in the multiple times where it came up. This poem is called Race Rep, and Race Rep is about how sometimes if you are the only of your kind in a room, you may sometimes be pointed out as the representative for your entire race, and it's my feelings about being in those situations. Race Rep. To those tired of being token-spent to write the I'm not racist train or treat it like unsightly stains or heavy strains on an overburdened economy, I feel with Not every brown girl knows all the words to me goes bad and bougie or wears big earrings or lace fronts. We don't all snap our fingers and twist our necks or walk around demanding respect, knowing full well we won't get it, no matter what we conceal, cover, Highlight origins. Even if we did, you'd never know what we hid. What our lace front raced up like shoestrings, strings, how we keep pulling it together every time it falls apart. We don't have, we don't all have food stamps for sale or fathers in jail or mo- mothers with men in and out of the house. We don't all have names you can't pronounce, we have no desire to figure out their origins. But if that was all of our stories, we still wouldn't glimpse the glory at the root of our names, or the absence of shame for folks who did their best as we strive to progress further than they have the to We don't all sing, take me to the king, or wear our communion white, sitting three rows back on the right, hat tilted to the side with a grim as big as all outside, hoping to hide the pain in our eyes. Wishing to be seen, wanting to be known, hoping one day God will pick up the phone and answer our money. We don't all pray to save sons and daughters, leading lives of pigs bound for the slaughter, destined to die like dogs on the street over skittles and ice Teeth, or in their home, minding their business, or at work, protecting someone else's, or breathing without permission. But if your intention was to make us feel silly for asking for justice to be done, I can tell you that's a battle. You haven't. We don't all have six kids, five baby daddies, four dollars in the bank, willing to spend three wishes on a two-car garage, a man who won't break rank, and a better future for our baby. We don't all approach life with such hope while still trying to cope with the last disappointment. But don't make me represent every member of my race with an oval-shaped face or a back-end shape like me. Don't put me on a platform to perform or inform your idea of the norm for people like me. Don't put me on a stage and package my perfect elocution for redistribution to others who look like me. I get it. You don't want to clog your mind with all the ways being black is seen as a crime or sport. It's more convenient, easier to be lenient with little brown me. your average girl next door in a darker heat. The exception to the rule. I know. You're tired of being the butt of the joke, bearing the brunt, Having to atone for others of your skin tone and paying for feelings you don't get to own. It feels like treason to admit. To admit it's open season in the US of the day. But don't pick me, this well-spoken one. For this one isn't broken one to be your token. Don't prop me up for all to see until you think I've forgotten my place and put me back with the rest of my life. That song was one of the last one that I think is in the collection and one of the hardest ones to write mostly because it was addressing years and years of assumptions of being put in the position to speak for an entire race of people and I wanted to make sure that as I shared things that I've was and wasn't or how we we weren't all the same. I wanted to make sure that I didn't shame or put down anybody's reality, but rather made sure that I showed the reader what is on the other side of what they might see and how they might interpret the things that they see and what might actually be the case. So it took a long time to balance that. And I hope that I got it at least halfway right, where people can see how you affect people or the strain that you put on them by asking them to speak for or represent a whole bunch of people who are just as multifaceted and diverse as any other group. People that you can gather together. And that's what I wanted to ensure that I was able to do with this collection and share about a bunch of difficult emotional things, recollections, and tranquil, to be the speaking season, the things that you Wish that you thought of or could say in the moment when something happened. If you really don't have the facility to say at that time. And that was part of the reason that I wanted to put poems like that in the book, is um, to share those types of illustrations. Now I'm going to do bonus information about this book and then I will. Finish out with one last poem. Bonus information about this book: This book can be purchased on Amazon in Kindle or paperback format. It is, to me, a it can be a quick read. You could sit down and read this in an hour and a half. But you may find yourself wanting to go back to certain poems or certain lines in certain poems and think about it or get really introspective with it or write your own reflection on it i think that those readers who enjoy a peek behind the scenes will really get a peek out of some of the origin stories and the meanings behind their favorite poems um, some of these origin stories are pretty interesting to me um wondering how in the world i connected what i connected to get a poem out of it and some of them are just very usual. But I think that readers who enjoy thinking will enjoy pondering those things and thinking about some of your everyday experiences that you could turn into poems or stories. I cannot tell you if this book would be one that you would like to reread over and over again. But I can tell you that as someone who read all this stuff over and over again, as I wrote it and edited and revised and changed my mind and changed the order, I still have a great amount of enjoyment for just picking it up and rereading it. And I hope that that would be true of readers as well. I don't know if I'm an autobiography for you, but if I were, This is very different from the other things that I have released. and so you probably want to investigate either this book or other books that you would want to read after this by me to see if they also align with what you want to be reading. It's very different from the rest. This has parts that make me laugh, parts that make me tear up. There are poems that I didn't read because I don't know if I could get through reading them in one piece, uh, such as Mounds, which is not at all about me or about a personal experience that I've had, but that really kind of hits me every time I read it, and Belief, which is also not about me. Uh, those two are pieces about things that were. In the news at the time that I wrote them and that still affect us, and they just be the fact that they are reality for someone else really does just that. But some of the poems might make you a bit angry or make you a bit introspective and look at and investigate yourself. This, this is a book that I think people could read forever or have on. I'm a big proponent of passing things on, uh, and a poetry collection sometimes feels like something that is for a season, that just really speaks to you at a time. It might be something that you want to keep forever, but it also might be something if you see someone in a certain season, you want to pass it on to them. So it's up to you, really, as I think all of these questions always are. So, this book, I want it to stay until this point because it, A, it's different from the others in that it wasn't a book that I read this year that impacted me, but one that I looked that impacted me. And I wanted to leave it for number 10 because 10 is my number of perfection, And I wanted to feel free to share a little bit with you guys about myself and the things that I write and have it be just the perfect one for it. Also, I have some special things for the last two episodes. We are not doing just one book on the last two episodes. and They aren't going to be in a familiar format. They are going to be different. So tomorrow on day 11 you can expect me to talk about all of the books that weren't. We're going to talk about books that I started but didn't get around to finishing. We're going to talk about books that I have major FOMO about and felt like I should have read but just missed this year. And then very special episode for the last episode. I'm going to share some of the books that you guys love that impacted you this year. So you can send me the books that impacted you and why they impacted you so strongly this year by emailing me at at gmail.com. You can Instagram me at buyhershelfpod.com. Or you can go to my website, buyhershelf.com, and let me know what books impacted you and what you will share with listeners about that book. Now I'm going to finish with a poem called Making Women." I wrote the beginning of the poem, Making Women" at one of my good friend's weddings. I was waiting for her wedding to start and realized that my camera memory was full after I'd taken just a couple pictures of the setup, and I realized that I was going to have to get rid of some pictures. And I think it's a good moment to end on because it really shared with you guys um, my feeling that I want to leave you with when it comes to. A lot more in life than just pictures on a cat. Making room. I need to free up space. Cropping an unwanted arm or pedestrian passing through the edge of view won't be. Some pictures are easy to erase. The ones where the frame failed to capture more than a blurry sense of what I saw from from back when every shot was kept and every perfectly timed click was considered. But my finger hovers over the link in your front and center, a crystal clear image, a face once dear. Where to find the curves to confirm I want to confine yet another used to be, to best forgotten, or it's about time. If I'm going to capture what God is joining together, I have to erase what he thinks. It's done, then I must do it again. I dump you in the recycling bin, the pool of blue jack. I look for images I wanted to in hit erase frame again and again until I free up enough space to make room in my memory for more. I hope that today you free up space in your memory to make room for more, whatever more is for you. If you are enjoying these episodes or the show in general, please leave me a rating or a review On iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. I would really appreciate it and it helps other people of like mind find the show. And as always, I wish you more people worth following, but more importantly, more books worth reading. Until tomorrow.